Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash HawkBlogger. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fans. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out no matter how hard it rains in my city. Hello, everybody. A uh, what, what should hopefully be a fun Chiefs game, uh, which will be a nice change of pace, even if it's not likely to be a win. Uh, but we'll get into all of that. And uh, first, I should probably introduce some folks here. Um, we have Jeff Simmons, uh, real Jeff Simmons on on Twitter. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've been I haven't been on Twitter much lately, but that is correct. I know the feeling. Um, how you doing? How's uh, how's Canada? I'm actually not in Canada. I am in oh. your country right now. I am in southern Florida visiting uh, visiting my fiance's family. So I have enjoyed it. I'm in a t-shirt. It's been nice out. It's not I was going to say there's something different about you. It, it, I think it was just the t-shirt, the short sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually at, I think there's like a huge snowstorm coming to Toronto. So Pretty happy to be out of there. I'll be down here for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, things are pretty good right now. Nice. Um, Dana, uh, I know that this is a very big week, a big game for you. How has it been as the uh, our, our resident uh, Seahawk fan in, in Kansas City? It's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, 
Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more when we get um, talking about the game. But it's Chiefs fans are in an interesting headspace right now. So I'm not really sure um, how they are either. It's it's interesting. But um, yeah, I'm the opposite of Jeff. I'm in a sweater. We're getting an Arctic blast. The game, it's going to be, I think, minus six or eight when the game kicks off. I am not going. And I'm sick of fighting with people. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm not going to the game. It's going to be too damn cold. So yeah, but... Yeah, it's been a, a lot of questions, a lot of back and forth um, between my friends who are Chiefs fans and and a lot of nervous Chiefs fans. So it'll be interesting. Interesting. Uh, so I, I have also been uh, off of Twitter a bit here of late. And so I'm a little checked out, to be honest. <laughs> um, I, uh, I didn't watch a single minute of NFL football this weekend or on Monday night, which was uh, strange. Um but between just taking a little bit of a break with the Thursday night game and Christmas uh, responsibilities, family responsibilities, I just I didn't catch a minute of it. So yeah. I'm going to turn it over at this point to you, Dana, mm -hmm. uh, and let you kind of run the show as the, uh, the, the professional of the bunch here. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, here's the interesting thing. It, it has been interesting this week. It's been... Well, until tonight, let me tell you this, until tonight, th there was a lot of happy Seahawks fans tonight. We're going to talk about the Pro Bowl here in just a little bit. But I think that um, with you and Jeff not being on very much, Brian has not been on very much. Evan has disappeared into the clouds. We have no idea where Evan is. And so it's just been kind of quiet. It's been me and Josh and Derek and Trey chatting in the chat. And so it's been kind of fun that way. Um, but, um, I think a lot of Seahawks fans took this week off. I do. I think that that was just a lot of people just kind of checked out and we're going to take a minute after that San Francisco game, after having four, losses in a row. They just needed to take a minute and take stock. What I've been impressed with though this week is there's not a ton of doom and gloom. It was a shift and and I know you guys haven't been on Twitter, but it, it's been a shift of okay, well, we might not make the playoffs. So what are we looking at here? We're talking draft, we're talking this, we're doing that. And it was impressive to me that there wasn't this big huge blow up saying, you know, that there was, you know, all this doom and gloom. So um, I want to know kind of, we're going to start with, and I know we usually recap the game before just a little bit, um, but that 49ers game, yeah, it sucked. It sucks losing to them, right? Absolutely. But Jeff, what did you see in that game that maybe made you, you know, have a little happy or what completely just frustrated you? Um, oh. I said this on our post-game show that night. I went in with, like, very, very low expectations. Like, I can't remember a game that I was dreading, like, watching. Like, I was even debating, like, not watching, just, like, checking my phone at the end. And I'm like, you know what, I'll just give this a shot. And it was a relatively close game. I know San Francisco is clearly better, but sure. up until that Travis Homer fumble and the drop digs pick, like, I was starting to be like, okay, maybe this can get interesting. And Seattle – you just saw the difference in quality between mm -hmm. Seattle and San Francisco. And uh, I think that was pretty eye-opening if you were seeing, okay, the Seahawks have taken strides in some, a lot of areas this year, but to become that championship level team that we all got used to 10 years ago, they're just, you saw, you just conceived the difference and it looked, the gap is wide. And it really if is. you needed more evidence than that, and if it just, it was such an interesting week around the league, but I just think it's when you watch the Seahawks, you can just, the truth is just come around. It's so obvious what they are and what they aren't at this point. And 
just the gap between them and San Francisco just in terms of talent. I wasn't really frustrated. I was actually kind of okay that they didn't get embarrassed, but like if that pick six counted, the score would have looked a little different. But Definitely. yeah, to me, it was just, I was pleasantly surprised they didn't lose by 30 points, but realistically, like they're not close to, like, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't want to see them play mm-hmm. San Francisco again. I want to see them address what they badly need to address because as you saw in that game, they're not close to being a playoff level contending team. No, but I will say that what I was impressed with was the, and what I saw and Nathan, tell me if I'm looking at this crazy, but it was almost like, like Jeff said that if it was not for the the Quandre Diggs drop and if it was not for the, you know, Homer fumble, they were keeping in step to a certain extent with San Francisco. But when they took a misstep, there was no way to get back up on top of that game. It's like as long as they kept even with them, they were in it. But those just those couple of little missteps, and they lost their grip on the team. Do you, am I looking at that funny? Um, I think that's If a... there had been more running backs, maybe that's a better question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, you can definitely look at it that way. I think I lean a little bit more towards what Jeff was saying mm-hmm. than than that uh, perspective of it. But like, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is the NFL, though, right? I mean, I think all these teams—they're none of them are that far apart ultimately, um, and so you can you can play that game. I think a lot, um, but I think. I don't know. It's it's kind of conflicting too because I'm I'm looking at the Pro Bowl roster and everything, and Seahawks have four Pro Bowlers and six alternates. So at the same time, like, is there really this huge of a talent gap? I mean, I know the Pro Bowl is not like the be all end all by any stretch. But Quandre Dix made the Pro Bowl. Yes, but I have I have a reason for that. We're going to talk about that when we talk about the Pro Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm still wrapping my head around that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Pro Bowl is definitely not the beyond all, but I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this team really right now. Um, they're, they're kind of in a weird spot. Yeah, it is a little frustrating. Um, I, one thing that we did see is that San Francisco's defense is truly probably the best defense in football right now. There was no question about that. And they gave the offensive line horrid troubles this time in Gino was sacked three times they just look rushed they looked hurried Nick Bosa as much as we want to hate him he's a good player and so it was interesting to me that um that they still managed to not get blown out like Tampa Bay did and not get you know have those huge gaps that they had before so I hate to be too much down on them what bothers me the most guys is the fact that they've lost four in a row it's the Raiders and the Panthers game that bothers me so much more than it does the 49ers game and honestly if they had won one or both of those games man this season would look a thousand times different wouldn't it be so much better I was just gonna say the same thing like I think that Niners game if it had happened yeah like five weeks ago four weeks ago we kind of be like yeah the Niners are really good, you know, okay. Uh, but to see them lose to the Raiders, struggle against the Rams, lose to the Panthers, and then lose to the mm-hmm. to the the Niners in, you know, you can you can cut it a different a lot of different ways, but like, yeah, if that pick six had counted, uh, then it, this game you can't really like squint at it and make it that pretty. 
Um, that's, I think, the really hard thing is just in the context of where they've been through the last, yeah, four or five games or whatever. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, let's talk about the Pro Bowl for just a little bit. I think that it's – or, Jeff, did you have something to say? No, no, you guys covered it exactly. Um, really, like, you look at what's happened in Tampa since that game, and I know that pushed Brian over the edge. And they've looked uncompetitive in basically every game other than Seattle. And Carolina, like, ran over Seattle, and they got smoked by Pittsburgh this week with Mitch Trubisky. And these are average teams. The Raiders, like, that game was pretty close, but the Raiders did some atrocious things. There was, like, a fourth-and-one pitch, and they went for it. Like, they kicked a field goal fourth-and-one inside the 19 against Seattle. That game could have been a blowout, too, the way Josh Jacobs was running the ball. So, it's yeah, it's not the fact that they lost; it's how they lost, and mm-hmm. that they, they they're getting just like blown off the ball, and how like lifeless their defense has looked, and how one-dimensional really their team has become post Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's true. I defense is definitely a huge concern. Um, but with that said, we have two defensive players that are going to the Pro Bowl this year. Um, so very exciting. There was a lot of excitement on on Twitter and not just from Seahawks fans, we're talking about national media, you know, Albert Breer, like all, you know, Adam Schefter, all these guys are like, oh my God, Gino made the Pro Bowl, right? Like they were so excited about that. That was really encouraging to see and really fun. Um, And then of course, Tariq Woolen, who we knew, and there is all kinds of beef going on between Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen, but Tariq Woolen's not doing a damn thing about it. Like he's not saying a word. He hasn't posted a single thing and Sauce Gardner cannot let it go. So you guys... You, if you guys haven't checked that out, you really should. It's pretty entertaining. But um, but Seattle has a really good showing in the Pro Bowl this year. So obviously they have Tariq Woolen, they have Gino, they have Quandre Diggs, and then they have Jason Myers, which will make Evan very happy. Now, I saw some comments in our, in our comments. We have heard from Evan. He is fine. He just has disappeared from Twitter. So don't panic about Evan. He's fine. Um, but... Um, those are the four main ones. But then they had six alternates, which was pretty impressive too. Um, I think that for the most part, and I'll say for the most part, these Pro Bowl nods were earned. I was pretty impressed with them. Um, I was glad that they got recognized. Um, Nathan, I, I don't know if you've even had a chance to look at the Pro Bowl roster and the alternates, but but what do you think about the players that were picked? For Seattle or yeah. just generally? Seattle. I mean, Diggs is the one. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's the one that's really confusing. I don't know that he's been as bad as people think he is. Um, I think a lot of the things that people are ragging on him for have been true for a while um, when people liked him a lot. Um, but with how porous this front seven is it's just showing up a whole mm-hmm. lot more um so yeah i think that's the really I mean, that that's the one that sticks out a lot um but then you know i mean it's interesting that you have you know um nuosu on there that's pretty cool um uh and then where did uh, yeah brooks ended up as an alternate mm-hmm. um which is you know again like uh for a linebacker to make the pro bowl on a run defense as bad as this one's been. Uh, I know that he's got some of the the stats the the tackle count stuff to, to really boost him there. But um, yeah, I mean, those were the ones that really stood out to me. Nuoso just cause I think he's a little bit more obscure and I thought it was cool that he got picked and then Diggs and Brooks uh, look, look a little, 
mildly to more than mildly fraudulent as pro bowlers. Well, I will say, yeah, also Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf have both made it as alternates. And if you look at um, the wide receivers that were picked, you kind of get it right. Like they're just crazy good at that point. Now, Jeff, I'm going to give you my spiel for Quandre. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. I agree with Nathan. He's not been as bad as people have been um, saying that he is. You know, he does have two interceptions. He has a forced fumble. He does have some stats to back this up. I think what this vote was, because he was not in the fan vote at all, like not even considered. So it was really coaches and players that put Quandre Diggs into the, um, into the Pro Bowl. But as someone just said, that when he gave up on that tackle on Kittle, I think that people were just done with him at that point, right? Like they were just over it at that point. And so I'm wondering how much the effect of the, the front seven, like Nathan said, being so porous has had an effect on him. Or if he just realized he needs to save his body because they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. Like I think there's some definite business decisions being made there. Um, so I kind of get there. There's a lot of respect for Quandre out there in the league. So I kind of get why they would do it. But at the same time, I kind of see your point, too. Yeah, and it's just the way it's looked. Like, the missed tackles have been, like, egregious. And, like, they've just looked really bad. And I think what a lot of people respect about Quandre is a lot of people, especially Seahawks fans, seem to forget he had a significant injury in the last game of the year last year. Right. And so him, like, declining and play a bit or him slowing down. And he's an older player, too. He's getting into his 30s and early thirties or late twenties. And so he doesn't, hasn't looked the same as he has in past years and made the kind of impact in center field. And they've switched schemes. So it's more of a too high scheme. It's a little different than he's been used in the past, but it's like, it's just the way it's looked where it's been like a missed tackle that's leading to touchdowns or a dropped interception. And yeah, he's, he's doing his, uh, mostly he's doing good responsibility. He's fine in coverage. He's not blowing plays in coverage. It's been like the, the effort on a few plays and the tackles, that's been a little hard to swallow. But again, I get why someone would make a business decision after significant injury mm-hmm. on a team that he particularly hasn't thought has been very good all the year. So I'm a little surprised. He's a, I'm definitely surprised he was a pro bowler, given that, like you said, he wasn't in the fan mm-hmm. vote. Like Jordan Brooks was like the number one linebacker in the fan vote because he has the counting stats. If you watch him play, like he's not a pro bowler. Like there's so many better inside linebackers this year. He's done some good things. He's just not consistent. But the Dick's thing, it's at least like if the players are voting for him, that's a good sign. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he's played quite to that level. Right. And but, there's questions whether he's even going to be on the team next year. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with those questions. So this is the third straight <laughs> pole for Diggs, who joined the Seahawks in 2019. Um, he is tied for fifth most interceptions in the NFL since 2019. So, I mean, I get the respect level for it for sure but um yeah this just has not been his best season let's just put it that way but it is important i think to remind people about that injury for sure um i i'm so thrilled for gino i don't think anyone um there's some really mad miami dolphins fans out there right now though because tua was number one in fan vote by a long haul. I mean, those Dolphins fans sat on their computers and voted and voted and voted and totally stuffed the box. Good for them. But he did not end up on a Pro Bowl roster, which tells you how much more important the players and coaches' votes are. And so I think that's something that we should consider. So I'm really Do you see, do you see who the AFC quarterbacks were? 
Uh, yeah. yeah. It was Josh Allen, Burrow, and Mahomes. Like, it's not like losing those three is some sort of knock on you. Those are the three best players in the league. <laughs> but Dolphins <laughs> fans? <laughs> I, I'm around them. I'll, I'll still bring this up at the grocery store tomorrow or something. <laughs> For sure. For absolutely sure. So, Jeff, is there a player on the Seahawks team that you think should have made it but didn't? Yeah, Tyler Lockett. And there's just something about him. I don't know if it's like his lack of physical size or his like calm demeanor or maybe he goes down he just is consistently the most underrated player at his position probably in the whole league and mm-hmm. he's so good at all aspects of receiver and like this is a year i just thought with the quarterback change he really has been one of them. and like the advanced metrics like separation score and some of the more like stuff that seth walder does the espn i think he's number one in the league so like like you said, Dana, like the top four receivers I pulled up the list before. It's like AJ Brown and CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson. Like you're not taking those guys off. And like then Terry McLaurin, which again you can make a case for Lockett or McLaurin, but it's not a knock on McLaurin. Like I think Lockett's had a better season. Mm-hmm. I, I would have had him in, but again, like I don't want to say like Terry McLaurin's one of like the classic good receivers, does everything right. So I would have had Tyler Lockett in. Mm-hmm. And everything else, Mike Myers, I, I think, has been as good as a kicker in the league. Geno as much Smith, as I hate to admit it. Yeah, he's been – he goes one good year, one bad year. One good year, one bad year. So next year, when he wants the Seahawks sign him to make Evan happy, he's going to suck again. But, yeah, the Geno thing's pretty cool. I, I got to say, like, his play has tailed off a lot lately as the team's kind of fallen away. But, like, you just think about how much goes into that and, like, all the different quarterbacks the Seahawks could have got. Like Matt Ryan has been benched twice now. He's completely finished. Like his arm is just dead. Like Jimmy G, like maybe that would have worked out. Baker's on his second team this year. You saw what he is on Monday night. Uh, Malik Willis can barely throw the football. Like he looks like an XFL player when he's playing. Desmond Ritter had his first start and it's his first start, but he looks like nowhere near ready. So all the different options, Drew Locke, they could have had. Like imagine how bad the Seahawks would have been this year with Drew Locke. They, they might have gone 0-17, honestly. Um, and just, like, the, the fact that they just landed on Geno and it hit, it's just it's still an unbelievable story. Mm-hmm. And he may not – who knows? He might not be the quarterback of the Seahawks next year. But, like, I think we just got to appreciate what happened this year, even if it does tail off and they lose the last three games. Mm-hmm. Still one of the more unlikely things that's ever happened watching sports. Right. So, Nathan, are you um, thinking – that now that it's Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl or Geno Smith, that there's no way that they get rid of him. They do what they need to do to keep him. I think they're going to – I mean, I don't think that changes anything, no, ultimately. Yeah. I think that they were going to be really serious about bringing him back either way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, it ultimately changes very little because I, I okay. think that they were probably pretty committed to him the whole time. Yeah, probably. All right. So – you guys want to do Patreon questions first, or should we talk about the Chiefs first? Uh, we can get some Patreon questions and then get awesome. into the game. Awesome. Sounds good. I got them pulled up and everything. Perfect. Um, so, you know, as always, um, all the Patreon stuff goes directly to uh, charity. Uh, it's been Ben's fun for a long time. Um, this year, uh, totally spacing on... Uh, National Alliance of Mental Health, I believe is what it is. Yeah. Yes. Uh um, so we we did make a change up there, um, but always goes to a good cause, um, and it's uh, 
this is this is where I'm getting all of my news as I've taken a break from Twitter and everything and hanging out in there. Uh, is it's chill. It's uh, a lot of good folks, a lot of smart folks. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. Um, let's see here. <laughs> all right. Uh, Silk wants to know, and I'll ask this to both of you. We'll start with you, Dana. Who from the players, coaching staff, and front office gets gifts this year, and who is getting coal? Dana, do you want to give us one gift and one or one nice list and one naughty list? <laughs> um, I think without question, the nice list has to be it has to be Gino. It has to be the rookies. Um, honestly, it has to be Pete and John. For pulling off that trade. I think that year has been really good. Um, I think, I mean, all the rookies, I think that that's pretty easy. Cole, I have a harder time with because this team has already exceeded all of our expectations, right? Like this is not at all what we thought. And we've had a lot more fun with football this season than we thought to. Um, I think though, definitely there's needs to be some coal dispersed amongst the defense. There has been a lot of problems there. Um, if I had to pick anyone out as much as everyone now loves Cody Barton, Cody Barton did not have a great year to begin with. Um, probably Quandre too, although you guys know how much I love him and I'm still expecting my pick six. If it could be against the chiefs, you guys, if it could be against the Chiefs, my I don't care if we lost by a thousand points, I'd be I'd be good. Um, but um, yeah, I think you'd have to sprinkle it through that. But specific players, probably Barton, Quandre, a couple people players on the line, definitely. Jeff, you have a bag of coal, oh, and you and have you to have decide to whether you give it to the defensive player. player. Uh, oh, what did I just do? I messed up my. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, I clicked buttons on the on the streamlabs and everything changed. All right, bag of coal. You have to decide whether you're giving those pieces of coal to defensive players or defensive coaches. Who gets it? Uh, I'm gonna go defensive coaches. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of schemes like some of the guys that I listen to and I learn a lot, but just how easy it looks to run on them, and the fact that they've become the, like the worst run defense in the league with basically the exact same personnel as last year. I just can't think that they're doing the best job of maximizing their players. And listen, I'm the one on here every week talking about how the players aren't good enough. And I've been saying this for a while and their front seven's not good enough. But like, if you look at their front seven year to year versus last year, other than Bobby, like it's basically the same guys. And they were a top 10, I think an EPA unit last year. And they're a disaster. They're an absolute disaster. So I am going to go with the coaches uh all right this next one is uh specifically for dana comes from mm -hmm. braxton um one of the awesome folks in the patreon chat um he wants to know dana as a <laughs> kc resident do you have any tips for fans going to the game in person uh for staying warm um Outside, I guess, is, is one thing here. But uh, also just uh, what what are the fun things to do? Is there a Seahawks bar? Uh, what should folks be hitting up if they're traveling to Kansas City? Um, <laughs> well, this weekend, there's it's it's Christmas weekend. Everything is shut down. It's going to be minus temperatures. It's going to be crazy. No, there's not a Seahawks bar in Kansas City. I wish there was. But let me tell you this, that Kansas City is actually a really fun town. And I hope that people can find some fun things to do um, when they get here for the game. I will say that eat as much barbecue as you possibly can and um, really just kind of go out. Power and light's a lot of fun if anyone wants to go out there. 
be wary if you wear your Seahawks gear. I will tell you, I have been to a lot of away games. The least fun I've ever had in an away game is at a Chiefs away at a Chiefs game. That the Chiefs fans are they're not calm. Let's just put it that way. They're very loud. So be prepared for that if you go to this game. But more importantly, here's the thing with Arrowhead. Arrowhead was built in the 60s. It is solid concrete from the bottom up. It is um, hard, cold plastic everywhere. This is not comfy at all. So when you're going to this game, it turns into a giant wind tunnel <laughs> and it's going to be really cold. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to warn you. So dress as warm as possible, bring as many, you know, hand and feet warmers, play the game. And this is not a Seattle cold game, you guys. This is like an Arctic cold game. It's just a different level. But um, so, yeah, I would definitely just make sure that you really, really layer up and you have your um, hand and feet warmers. But they won't let you bring cardboard in unless it's a sign because cardboard, standing on cardboard really does help keep your feet not so cold. But turn it into a sign, then stand on it. So, but I will tell you this. I hope that any Seahawks fans that are going to this game are not turned off on the entire town because of the fans that are at the game. I swear to you, it's a really fun town. And everyone should come back next year for the draft when everyone is happy for sure. But I think it'll be a good time. I'm just telling you to be prepared. That's all. Um, all right. Uh, Corey says, uh, so Franco Harris, uh, just passed, um, which is, uh, unfortunate. Um, he wants to know though, uh, with that, you know, kind of, uh, sparking, uh, the memory of hall of famers who've had a cup of tea with Seattle, uh, who Jeff, do you think is the greatest hall of famer to spend one season with Seattle and I'm going to give you the option here. You can, you can answer it. I think, I think if you answer it in terms of just like overall, I think it probably has to be Jerry Rice. I don't think that's a very fun one. So who was the best as a Seahawk in their one year as a Seahawk? Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Jerry Rice, but God, who he would else is on this list. Like, I'm going to have to defer this one. I can't remember any of them that were good for the year they're here. Let me see if I, I remember can the... pull it up. Do the Seahawks claim any of these guys? Um, uh, okay. Um... Like Dwight Freeney? <laughs> he played like three games here. <laughs> yeah, Dwight Freeney. Uh, Franco Harris. Erdogan James. <laughs> um... Kevin Mawai doesn't really count, but he definitely made his name elsewhere. And then uh, John Randall. Uh, he might have been here for more than one year, but we'll count him. And Jerry Rice. Uh, which one of those were you like, oh, man, he killed it uh, as a Seahawk? John Randall probably is the only one who like was probably <laughs> yeah. even above average. Like He was early in the home grid years, but he was actually pretty good. How many so. years did Warren Moon play for Seattle? It was just a couple, right? Just a couple. He was probably totally actually watched. the best, right? Of anyone. Yeah, probably. Oh, like, easily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's throw T.O. in there. He was here for a preseason. He was a lot of fun. Yeah. He cost Matt Flynn his career. Yes, he did. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So that makes T.O. the best. Yeah. There I think you go. If you're going by that, it, it handed it all over to Russ, and that worked out okay. Um, Okay, I have to find my Patreon questions again. Oh, wait, hold on. So Jay says, um, do we forget the DJ Reed release? Imagine him and Tariq. 
It was DJ Reed was just here for an hour or for an hour. Sorry, for one year, wasn't he? Was he I don't know if DJ Reed's quite a Hall of Famer yet. No, no, that's oh, you said Hall of Famer. I was just thinking player that's still good because he just got snubbed for the Pro Bowl. He really should have made it. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot the Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Thing. Uh, also, Adrian Peterson, who oh, uh, cured Rashad Penny, apparently, by all accounts, because Pete doesn't know how to hire coaches. So he has and to. And he will be a Hall of Famer. So he counts, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, we counted Dwight Freeney, so um, that's kind of crazy. Uh, okay, um, more Patreon questions. Um, I'll take this one really quick from PCC. Is Jalen Carter or Will Anderson worth trading draft picks for? Uh, I don't think they're going to have to. Um, actually, you know what? I, I won't steal this one. I want to know. Um and I'm kind of curious uh, with both of you here. So Dana, um, mm-hmm. if they end up with like the fourth pick, are you going to be trading like both first round picks to move up and get a a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson? You know, assuming that they end up like a pick, however it's going to shake out, you know, let's pretend the scenario here is they end up a pick or two away from where they're likely to get those guys. Do you want them to be aggressive in moving up for one of those guys? <clears throat> That's hard. Isn't that hard? That is hard for me just because I, I, because we don't know. I mean, a couple of those, those top teams aren't going to need a quarterback. Right. And so they would they have a higher chance of going after those guys. So then do you, do you miss it? And who are you trading with and how far back do you have to go? There's too many logistics people. There's too many logistics. Here's what I'm thinking though. I would say, I'm going to say yes. If the Seahawks don't have to move well, so there, is the it, scenario here's the scenario that we have then no more. We just have the one first round pick. Well, they'll have two. They'll still have the two. So we'll just move back. Well, no, they, that's what I'm saying is, uh, well, so sorry, I misunderstood. Let's say that they have to give up the equivalent of an additional first round pick, whether they end up somewhere at like 18, 19, 20. And just okay, that's that my pick, question. Yeah. Or like a future first or something like that. I mean, I think that's pretty much the going rate to get up from like, mm-hmm. let's say they go, they have to go from five to three or something like that, five to two. Like you're going to give up a lot. I think you're both going to say no. So I'm going to say yes. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I, you know what? Blue chip players are blue chip players. And there's only a handful of them in this, in this um, draft. So God, it, it's kind of hard to say no to that. Right. Yeah. Like Jalen Carter seems like the kind of guy that's very challenging to get. And I can kind of swallow that. I want a little more probably than Will Anderson, who's a very good pass rusher. But if you look at all the problems, like just establishing the defensive line and, but for me, like, I don't like the idea of five, like determining your one player away when you look at this team, they, they need volume. And I think one of the biggest mistakes teams make is when they fall in love with one player instead of sticking to a process. And I think a team like this, which they really need these first round picks. And if Seattle keeps losing, like they're at 15 right now, that second pick is going to be pretty high. And the second rounders are really important too. And I think like, just historically studying the draft, like the more important draft picks you have, I know this team hasn't drafted particularly good, but they really need these players. And I think right now trading, like unless it's a quarterback, like I'm pretty inclined not to trade up. Unless like, again, even Jalen Carter will make me think twice because 
I think he just solves everything this team needs. But just like a pure pass rusher, like Will Anderson, I I don't think I would do it. So, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot this around then. If if you're saying that the team is not one player away, let's say that they end up right now. They're three. Let's say that's where they where they end up. So they're guaranteed pretty much. I think at that point to have Will Anderson and or Jalen Carter on the board, and either Indianapolis or Atlanta or Carolina, who are picking six, seven, eight. Um, you've got the Raiders at ten. Let's say one of these guys call you and they want to trade up for your pick and they are giving you a future first. Are you trading out of Jalen Carter? You you don't want to trade in. They're not one blue chip away. So Jeff, would you then trade out if you're getting, you know, moving back five spots and getting a future first from a team that's probably still going to be not great next year? It's like Atlanta. I think I would definitely do that. And I just think the team, if you can come out with two first-rounders, a sure two first-rounders next year, and if Atlanta tanks next year and you're in the Caleb Williams position to have that pick too, I know Jalen Carter is like, he's my like draft crush. Like he's the guy I really want. I think you have to do that. I think it'd be just too juicy, but I'm not like dying to get down the draft board because this team needs upper echelon players. But if like someone like Atlanta is offering you their first-round pick, Sort of like, and we see what happened this year with, look, you got the Detroit, Seattle, they're going to end up in the top five because of these trades. Like, I, I don't see how you can say no to that. Uh, and obviously Dana agrees that we should trade back. So we'll just move on to the next Absolutely question. not. Oh my God. How can you say, okay, first of all, this fan base would lose their ever loving mind if they traded out of the third pick and ha- could have Jalen Carter. I, I... I can't even imagine the backlash of that. Like it would be overwhelming and I get needing more. It makes so much more sense to take him there and trade your other pick back. Like if that's where some, like if some of those quarterbacks are still sitting there and some of those other teams want to bring up and get them that, Oh, like it may give me help heart palpitations. You guys, you can't, you cannot give up on that level of a player. They want to trade out of that second pick that they have in the first round. Go do it. Get as many as you can, you know, stock it up, whatever you want to do. But if you're at three and he's sitting there and we see the Seahawks trade their pick, even if we, I, uh, no, no, no. My answer is no. I'm going to straddle the line on that one a little bit because I also love Jalen Carter, uh, but I also, also love trading back. And so I'm just, I think we can all agree that hopefully they will be at two or three uh, and they are making a decision on whether to take Jalen Carter or trade back and not sitting at six or seven and having to think about trading up because that, that is definitely uh, a much more painful deal. Um, Okay. More Patreon questions. Um, uh, Jeff, uh, unfortunately I, I can't toss this one to Evan. Um, but, uh, John wants to know when does the Jason Myers extension get done? Not if I want, I want to know a date and a time. If you're that confident on it, I don't know when free agency starts somewhere in the middle of March, usually. So I'll go like March 17th, I resign him to an amount that's going to drive us all nuts. Uh, assuming that they don't franchise tag them. <laughs> Who knows what the Seahawks 
Uh, the Seahawks responded very favorably when he had a career year in Jacksonville last time, and he's now a Pro Bowl kicker. So they're likely going to do something that will only make Evan happy, and the rest of us will be miserable about it. And anyone who thinks otherwise is probably wrong. So it's going to happen. We're all going to be annoyed by it, and I'm already mentally preparing for the frustration of how much they're paying the kicker and punter of this team. Boy, the really amazing scenario there is that they franchise t- tag Jason Myers and then botch the Geno extension or uh, negotiations and lose him when they could have just tagged their quarterback, and they can they can pull a, a Ruskell uh, after having one of the best off seasons ever. Um, Dana Gar wants to know uh, if Seattle ends up losing out and Denver ends up winning out, both teams. He says we'll finish seven and ten. I will. I've not fact checked that, but let's say he's right. He's right. Um, how does that make you feel about this year? Because I think if we had talked about this at the start of the year and we talked about a seven and ten Seahawks team and a seven and ten Broncos team, I think we would have been pretty Thrilled. darn happy about it, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about it getting offered that now? Um, well, I will tell you that that is not going to happen because the Denver Broncos cannot beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead just not going to happen people it's it's just not going to happen i mean it would be the miracle upon miracles but don't they if... play week 17 though when do they play january 1st so yeah. last week so mm-hmm. i mean they could be playing it could be back at like uh-uh. backup it quality was... against actual backups no no, um, no. the chiefs will one be... more week after yeah it's a really important game yeah. for the chiefs yeah gotcha. the the they're they're vying for the top seed there is no way they're gonna sit them um I will, t- unless the bills fall apart in the next two weeks, you know what I mean? But still, but here's the thing. Um, how that makes me feel is actually the same as it would. I mean, honestly, we expected so much out of the Broncos. We expected nothing out of the Seahawks for them to end up equal after everything that has happened. I actually would be, you know, I, I don't think that's going to make me fret too much. It'll piss me off. Arizona pissed me off last weekend as everyone who watched my Twitter, cause I lost my mind because they can do nothing right, including beat the Broncos. But um, that it, it will make me mad because of the draft pick situation, but but as for a record and how the teams performed, no, I don't think it'll upset me too terribly. Sorry if that's not the answer you guys wanted. Oh yes, it'll make me mad. No, it won't. It, I don't think it'll bother me. Other than the draft pick. Um, Eric has a question. Uh, I think we'll call this the last. Okay, actually, uh, yeah, we'll do one more after this, and it's a special one just for Dana. Um, Eric wants to know, though, so a great deal of goodwill and good feeling have come out of the Russ trade, um, the draft, the emergence of Gino, um, uh, for, you know, the front office and everybody. Um, how dangerous and quickly could that sentiment change if the Seahawks invest $30-plus million in Gino and he regresses? Um, do, do you? We, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit now. Um, I think mostly focusing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, do you see there being a lot of backlash if uh, if Seattle, you know, does kind of jump in on on Geno and and it ends up not going super great? No, I think those are two totally different equations that you have to put aside. One getting out of Russ when they did the timing of it and turning that into two first round picks and two second round picks, no matter what happens with Gino is a win, especially that they got Charles Cross, their left tackle of the future and whoever they get this year, that's a massive win. If they 
miss on Gino, yeah, you're left being frustrated, but I don't think it has anything to do with my view of the Russell trade. I think it had to, to do with just a totally, it's a totally different equation. And it's definitely a possibility. Gino's had one good year and his numbers have dramatically changed against bad, against better competition. And I think the franchise tag is still the way to go with him and wait and see mode, especially if he fizzles these last three games. But no, I, no, absolutely not. The Russell trade is a 10 out of 10 home run. You, you're looking at a top five pick, and I'm with Dana. Like, I don't think there's a chance they will 3-0 to end the year. It's likely one and two as a ceiling. So I'm totally fine with it, regardless of how Gino. All right, last one from Jason. Uh, Dana, any chance Bruce Irving comes back next year to be a locker room ass kicker? God, I do love Bruce Irvin, but I don't know. I don't know that he's made enough of an impact this year to do that. I mean, it's possible if he's willing to kind of stay around and mentor and be a rotational guy or whatever it may be. I think, honestly, Gino would be like, I just want to be here. I don't care what you do with me sort of a thing. But um, but no, I think that once they redo a lot of these contracts and, and get through some stuff that they'll need that space and and hopefully have someone to – take his place you know which sounds terrible but we can help right young guy yeah i kind of mean uh i think bruce has been fine uh -hmm. he's definitely been better than i expected solid Um, yeah i mean i don't know that you can say he's had a hugely positive impact on this run defense so even if he Mm -hmm. has maybe the right mentality and Mm -hmm. uh all that because they are still getting their asses kicked Mm -hmm. uh all right that's it for the Patreon questions. Cool. Um, thanks, everyone. And uh, all right, Dana. Uh, I'll yeah. So let's talk about this Chiefs game a little bit. I have been dreading this game all season long. Um, it is, interestingly enough, at the beginning of the season, the Chiefs, chan- Chiefs fans were chirping at me a lot. Gino was going to be terrible. The Chiefs were going to eat them for Christmas dinner. Like, it was a whole thing. Then last week happened, and the Chiefs went into Houston and had to go to overtime to beat them. And a few other games that happened with him this season, they got beaten by the Colts. They had a lot of games that had a lot of stumbling in it. Um, And their attitude has changed. I have a lot of nervous Chiefs fans now at this point, just because um, they, the, the thing of it is that I keep hearing from all these fans is that the Chiefs are playing down to their competition, which then I'm like, what do you mean by down? And I try to make a joke of it, but they're nervous and they're not really sure why they're nervous. They have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey to the top of the league, right? Without question. Their defense that has given them some issue. They've had a lot of injuries who are slowly coming back. Supposedly, McCole Hardman will be back this game, and that could be a big help for them. Um, but the Chiefs fans are nervous, and I think it's because they're realizing that they have two other teams in the AFC really nipping at their heels and, and getting close to them. So just looking at the overview of this game to start with, and and we are going to talk about their run game just a little bit, Nathan. I'm just I'm warning you right now. We're going to talk about that run game just a little bit. But looking at this, do you think, and I, we're, we already know that Patrick Mahomes is going to carve up this defense. We get that, right? We expect that. However, he has been, he's had some interceptions as of late. That could be a huge opening for Seattle. He's had a few problems, but the defensive side of the ball, I'm wondering as I look at this game, and Nathan, I'm going to start with you, how you feel about this. The defensive side of the Chiefs ball, I think, leaves a lot of opportunity for Geno. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's going to be the story of this game for Seattle. Um, <laughs> I had not heard the weather reports. I think that's a big bummer for Seattle because they are going to have to be able to outscore 
uh, Kansas City. And I mean, the weather will affect both teams equally, but um, I think Seattle is just ultimately much more reliant on their offense. Um, and there is an opportunity for them to put up points on this Chiefs defense. Um, but uh, yeah, the weather, I think, is is going to be a little bit disproportionately uh, in, in Kansas City's favor. So that is... Uh, by far what I'm more worried about than what, you know, Seattle actually has to game plan against. Jeff, what about, and when I look at this, do you see any chance? Cause I do see a little bit of chance for Kansas city here. Or I mean, excuse me for Seattle against Kansas city here to, for the Seahawks, even without Tyler Lockett. And that is going to be a huge, huge loss for them. Right. They're going to double team DK. I'm really hoping we see a lot out of Goodwin, but I feel like there is some opportunity there for this offense to take advantage, especially moving it down the field. The run game has not been great for them. So does that come back? Although once again, it sounds like Ken Walker might be out again. I feel like there's opportunity there and I, the weather's going to suck, but if you just look at kind of the, the playmakers on the Seahawks team versus you know, the chiefs defense, I feel like there's some opportunity there. Yeah. That's where to me, the locket injury is just really unfortunate. Yeah. Huge. Like the Niners game, I just dreaded so much because of just the, like, the stylistic mismatch. Mm-hmm. This is actually a game. If you've watched the chiefs the last month, they've looked a little spotty. Like they almost blew a 27, nothing lead a couple weeks ago to Denver. That Houston game, like Nathan just said, he didn't see a lot of football. So like, that was like a backwards as backwards as a game. The chiefs looked far like look inferior to them in every way Mahomes had to like pull stuff out of his ass and it was mm-hmm. it was just like bizarro world it made no sense at all and they just have looked they had a game against the Rams like third stringers where they looked really spotty too and yeah the Seahawks the injury report has not been favorable I saw that before I came on here where Ken Walker hasn't practiced all week no fan hasn't practiced all week Lockett's out so like Stylistically, I actually think this is a game. The Seahawks, they're not like a physical run team. The Chiefs, McKinnon's been really good lately, mm-hmm. but Pacheco's been fumbling a lot. He fumbled last week also. And this is a game like the way Seattle plays actually can go head to head with them. But with all these injuries now, like it's just, it seems like KC will just pull away. But like, yeah, I think stylistically, like the Geno passing game right now is one of the only things this team can hang their hat on. And Seattle's been okay as a pass defense. It's the run defense that's really killing them. And Kansas City is going to, is a mostly pass dominant offense. And mm-hmm. like Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks against Travis Kelsey is obviously a very terrible matchup. But if they can scheme around the tight ends, their receivers are kind of weird. And like Mahomes is running around and kind of pulling things out of his ass because they mm-hmm. don't have Tyreek anymore. So they've looked a little spotty in this, in November in the last couple of weeks. But I still, I don't think Seattle has the horses right now to keep up with the mm-hmm. team. Like, so can we talk about the locket thing for a second? Sure. Um, Daddy Dennis in the chat uh, is saying that he he is hearing that locket is a possible go. Uh, by all accounts, surgery went very well. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm reading a quote here from Pete Carroll, um, who said he had his surgery, and the doc says it was perfect. Um, uh, Dennis also says that he says something about it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the first thing that came out of them from the docs, that there's a chance uh, he'll be back. So we'll see what happens. 
that sounds crazy miraculous but they secured it in a way that they know that he can already start moving his hand and stuff like that so we'll see what happens we'll keep our fingers crossed uh maybe not lock it though i don't know if he can at this point but uh who is excited for a second straight season to talk about miraculous finger injury recoveries we get to do it all over again folks uh because the seahawks just like uh seahawks twitter we're they're nothing but uh original and unique and constantly coming up with new content so uh do you do you think that we are going to can can lock it out russ 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 and uh make it back and and less was about missing any time actually everything I have heard today is that he will not play this game, but he should be back for the Jets game. And I have heard that from multiple, multiple places. So if if he walks out there and is active on game day, I will be shocked because that is, is not what I'm seeing at all. But, um, but even to make it back in two weeks is pretty impressive. If he can make it back for the Jets game, that, that would be pretty impressive. Do you think we can get Cashman to do a, a video uh, dunking on rest for Lockett coming back faster from a finger injury? I don't think he'd do it. But no? maybe we can ask him. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. All yeah. right. Sorry. sorry. That's okay. So if you look at um, the Chiefs, you're absolutely right about the rushing. So their top rusher is Isaiah Pacheco at 677. Um, and their second best rusher is Patrick Mahomes. Now, obviously, um, Edwards Hilaire got injured earlier. McKinnon was injured and now is back. But th- the run game is not who they are. That is not um, that is not a strength of theirs. Um, it, it might become one this game, right? Like, because Tampa Bay didn't run the ball. And then all of a sudden, they were perfectly proficient at it. But I think that, um, that, that could be helpful. Um, and that's what I meant about the run game. I just don't know if even the way this defense is playing against the run that even their non-existent run game will, won't become fantastic. Right. Um, I would do want to talk about Travis Kelsey really quick though, because obviously he's the biggest threat that they have at this point. Nathan, when you look at this team and the way they've been tackling and the way that they have um, been missing, I, I just have this feeling this is going to be an insanely huge game for Travis Kelsey. Do you see it any other way? I mean, we just saw what George Kittle did. Oh my uh, Lord. Right. <laughs> So yeah, I think if you're a fantasy owner and uh, hopefully you're in the playoffs at this point with Travis Kelsey, uh, I think you're going to do all right. Yeah, I don't. I just don't see any way for them to slow him down at all. I think it just seems a little bit crazy. But neither does Quandre Diggs. <laughs> Stop it! You are terrible today. <laughs> I've got your back, Quandre. Don't listen to them. I got your back. This is my week. I'm telling you guys, this is it. <laughs> this is the week for sure. Oh man. So what we're going to do predictions here in, in just a couple of minutes, but, but Jeff, what do you see happening? Do you see Seattle keeping up? Do you see the defense completely falling apart and this being a complete and utter blowout? I don't need your scores just yet. What's your overall? I don't think it'll be as ugly as it's been the last few weeks, but I think just Casey will just move the ball really comfortably, sort of like the Raiders did a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle, the kind of teams that slow down Denver, I mean, Kansas City are teams with good pass rushes, and they move Mahomes off the spot. And Seattle's been such a bad third-down defensive team lately, and I think they'll just be able to comfortably move the ball on third down pretty much all game. And unless their pass rush magically comes to life in Arrowhead, like Houston's did last week, I don't know how that happened, but – 
I think there's Kansas City will move the ball. See, I will score. They'll score quite a bit, but I think it'll be pretty comfortable win for Kansas City. And unless I don't think it's going to be the way it's looked the last couple of weeks with the run game. Like Jarek McKinnon's been really, really good for them, but it, they use him more as like a throw the ball into space. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll have a lot of success, like putting him against the linebackers and getting him in space. And they, they'll hit their Travis Kelsey plays on third down and it will be very frustrating, but I just don't think Seattle, they're not a pass rushing team. They're not a run stopping team. So there's, it doesn't line up well for what's looking like the MVP of the league. Oh, Nathan, what about you? What's your overview on this? Are you yeah, just doom and gloom? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't have just doom and gloom. Like no. I'm hoping for. I mean, they're going to lose. I'm pretty sure. But uh, I, I am hoping for a fun game. I don't think we've had a fun game in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, like even though like that Raiders game was like. It was close. It was points. It, it should have been a fun game. Like the expectations around that game were so high at that point, still, I think, um, that it was hard to really enjoy them struggling and, you know, uh, everything that came with that game. So uh, I do think that it's going to be enjoyable. That's, that's really my biggest hope. And, um, you know, I mean, if, uh, <laughs> If if they can get something like that Broncos game that the, the Broncos played against the Chiefs, right, where you know thirty four twenty eight or something like that, it's close and they're scoring points and things are happening and Mahomes is Mahomesing and he's going to have a couple crazy touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey, but maybe he'll also throw a pick six to Tariq Woolen and just you know a fun entertaining game. I think I think things will happen and I think Seattle will end up on the short end of it, um, but uh, yeah. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. You know, I looked um, on another podcast. I, I looked at the last three games of this season, and I this one is just an obvious loss to me. Um, if we win it, I cannot tell you how happy I will be to go to work on Monday. I just I have to put that out there. But I look at the rest of the season, and and I'm not I'm not so worried about them losing every game anymore. I, I really. I was after the loss to the Raiders and the Panthers, but after the game last week, even though they lost, I just, I felt a little bit stronger. I felt a little happier about it. And looking at the injuries that the jets have, and then the Rams being the Rams, um, I, I was feeling much better about those couple of games, but this one, yeah, this one's going to be a little tough. All right. I want your score predictions, Jeff, what's your score prediction? I'll say, 35 to 27, Kansas City. Oh, that's good. Nathan, what about you? 34, 31. Man, I really want to pick the Seahawks. Uh, uh, Kansas City. Do it. Be a rebel. Be a rebel. You can do it. Uh, no, I've picked the Seahawks, I think, in literally every game. I picked them last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, if nothing else, I need to, to change the mojo here a little bit. So I'm picking Kansas City. Uh, I, I don't know that it's going to be that high just simply because it's going to be cold, so cold. So I don't know that the scores will be that high. Um, and I actually believe it. I don't think it's going to be that close. I I'm so impressed with the two of you right now that you think it's even going to be that close, but I think it's probably going to be more like 27, 
17 kind of a game, but we'll see. It just kind of depends on how much they lock down DK and how important he has become now and, and what he can do and how much he can step up to that. And, and like I said before, I really like Marquise Goodwin. I think that he, with his speed, that could be really helpful to them there too. Um, I just don't know what the red zone issues that they've had lately. I'm just not sure that that game gets that high, but it would be fun. And if the defense showed up and if they showed some life, it would really encourage me, I think, for the next couple of games. Did you were going to say something, Jeff? Yeah, I just want to say there's one thing I'm watching beyond this game. There's some chatter around the league that people are wondering if Pete's going to retire. And I don't know if it's true, but there's been some like weird signs where like Pete was talking after the game, how he had this like whole speech prepared for the team and that he was sad he couldn't tell them it that they won. And then this week he like, gave out shoes to everyone in the media. He gave out like those Air Monarchs. And it was like kind of weird with timing. Like it's been here 13 years and we just happened to hand out Christmas gifts to the media. So there's some chatter. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm watching that closely every Saturday or Sunday. Now, every week, like the national media guys come out and have these big reports. I'm wondering if anything comes out about that. It might amount to nothing. It's possible people are wrong, but there's been some weird things lately that I'm just wondering if things are starting to come around there. Nathan, how would you feel if Pete retired? I was shocked at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, the the only thing that I that I would think of at that point would be just that, uh, like, I mean, he talked about it last year, right? When they kept losing, uh, mm-hmm. and how he doesn't he doesn't like losing, and that's like. That is palpable. Like, he gets weird in interviews. He gets, like, moody. And it's sometimes it's angry. And sometimes it's, well, you know, I wouldn't have won many games here without Russ. Uh, like, it's kind of all over the place. Um, so, and then to see this defense kind of collapse the way it has and to struggle to kind of find that personality, Um I guess that's what I would probably be thinking of most. Although um, I doubt that, you know, it, it would be a spur of the moment type decision for him. Um, so this is probably, if it does happen, it's probably been something that maybe they talked about. Maybe that's why I didn't get fired. Uh, maybe he was like, yeah, I'll do, I'll coach the transition year. Um, and I'll just, I'll write it out. Uh you know, after last year, right. When it was kind of a question. So I don't know, that would be, that would be really fascinating. I would ultimately be very shocked and very interested to read all the, uh, the, the sourced up pieces about what happened there. If I'm totally honest, Jeff, when you said that my heart freaking sunk and it's not because I'm like some Pete Stan, although I really do like him as a coach. I love defensive coaches. and I think he's been amazing. But it was just like shocking to me because I had not heard that. And I did think it was weird about the shoes, but I didn't really think much of it because, you know, I I don't know. But literally my heart sunk like that would be heartbreaking to me that he would go out on that type of year, even though we consider it kind of a successful year because they've been so much better than we thought they were going to be. I just I have a hard time imagining him leaving it. Do you know what I mean? Saying, okay, I just got to leave this now. Yeah, ultimately, like. I don't, sorry, Kaya, I don't think it'll no, happen, right. but yeah, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm on like watch. I want to listen to the words he says, like he's 71. Not to, get, not to, not to get too far ahead on, yeah. on rumors and everything. 
I don't thinking sitting with with it for a second here. I don't think it's crazy actually that this was something that they had agreed on um maybe last year sometime or that he had let the organization know about last year sometime. Um and maybe that's why he finally uh relented on trading rests um and maybe this was a you know kind of a maybe a little bit of a last hurrah maybe him um actually being a good kind of organizational steward and saying i'm not gonna you know retire now when we're going through all this change and if they're terrible then it's gonna be hard on the new coach um so i i don't and then I, I, the stuff about the the speech and the shoes, that's all really, you know, kind of, it's, it's very speculative, obviously, um, but definitely interesting. And I think, I, I don't know, we've talked about it off and on, like, he's been in a weird place, it seems like, for, and it did start after the rest injury. So I mean, that's all it is. And, and this is all just bogus. But um, I don't think it's crazy to think that this is something that could have been in the works now for a little while. But do you honestly think that he would leave with the defense in the situation it's in? Like, I just can't imagine that. Like, I can see where you feel okay about the offense and it's going well and they have, you know, their new rookies and they're, everyone's doing good. But the defense, it's a disaster. I just have a hard time seeing him walk away from the defense in such a mess with now a questionable coordinator, which I really liked Hurt to begin with. And now we don't know what's happening there. I, I would be surprised the year if once they get it settled, maybe I could see that. But because remember, he said that he had a two to five year plan or something ridiculous. And let's not forget, he's insanely, insanely competitive with Bill Belichick. I do not see him leaving before Bill Belichick does. But at the same time, if that was part of the deal, do you know what I mean? Like if that was part of the plan after the rust, you get this year you know, maybe, oh my God, I would just be heartbroken. I will say, I think it's way more likely that he leaves at this point than he like starts to build it back and has like, you know, yeah. you get one year of an exciting Jalen Carter year. And then he's like, yep, that's it. Time for somebody else to, to run. With done. You, I've done my work. Cut down Vulture this one, Clint Hurt or Sean Desai or whoever my successor is bring back Shadi. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, maybe he's just like, I, I got, I want another year. We can trade Russ. I'll try to like set us up in a decent spot. You don't have to have a, a coach in a weird rebuild situation. I, you know, I got another year of energy left and then I, I want to sail off and, you know, uh, spend time with my wife or whatever. It's not crazy. It's not crazy, but it makes me sad. I'm not going to lie. I will say too, I don't know why it hit me as surprisingly real when, when Jeff said that. And I yeah, got sad too. That was my instant reaction. Was yeah, being it was sad. like, like Jeff, thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks wow. for all this finish on a crap. What a downer, Jeff. <laughs> oh God, I'm always the team is in such an exciting, happy place with all Jeez. the recent uh, string of success, and you want to drop that on it. I'm just curious. I'm just, I'm very curious. I'm just watching what the national guys say. It's like Black that Black Monday is coming. I don't think people get fired. I don't think there's any scenario people get fired. But this is where you get all those reports, like last year when Sean Payton walked away. Like no one saw that coming. Yeah. And I'm just curious. I'm I'm gonna be very interested to see how these last three games go if anything comes out nationally. I'm I'm just on I'm on watch. That's all I'm doing. The other thing too, because I'm really fascinated about what happens with this coaching staff because um I mean they have three games less left to get it fixed. And that doesn't mean turning into a good defense, but that means turning into a uh competent, uh not clown shoes defense. But if they stay this bad the rest of the year, like 
Pete is going to have to think about firing more defensive coaches. And like, I don't know how many times he wants to fire these guys. Like I, I like he does seem to kind of care about the people around him. And he's big on like sending these guys off to bigger and better things. And he has been dumpstering defensive coaches for years now. So that could be another factor in him being like, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to go through another round of firing and hiring. Yeah. So daddy Dennis in the chat just said DQ is the only viable replacement for me. If he, they hired Dan Quinn to come back as head coach, that would fix my sadness. I'm just telling you right now, my sadness would be gone and then he can help fix this defense. That's well, the only pretty, one. It's pretty crazy. John Schneider's never hired a head coach. That's true. Like yeah. Somewhere in his like, back of his head, like he's got to be wanting to get his, like Pete hired him and somewhere in his, I don't deep down, like I know they're tied together. He's got to be wondering like, what happens if I hire my guy? And like, mm-hmm. I know he was the one who wanted to trade Russell earlier. Pete wouldn't do it. And yeah. it's just interesting because if, if they, some of the best candidates this year, there's not like the Brian Dable or a lot of the best candidates are on defense and you pair maybe a defensive coach with Waldron. Cause I don't think Waldron's getting head coaching job. I think that, that I don't think there's a chance of that happening. So then all of a sudden, maybe that's an interesting, cause there's not a lot of like, even like the Mike McDaniels kind of guys who are emerging, like, the guys on the best teams are sort of not go the... back to the USC. Well, yeah, go grab Lincoln Riley. That, that's an exciting idea. I that would not cure my sadness. I'm just oh, saying, I'd be, I'd be very <laughs> fired up. My sadness. Oh boy, yeah, uh, I'd be very fired up. Yeah, um, uh, well, I will say, uh, if it is indeed Pete's last year, which at this point we are wildly speculating, why? Uh, yeah. I hope he announces it before the Rams game. Uh, so he gets a, a chance at a, a decent send off for all of the Russ and Pete drama and the fire Pete and all this stuff. Uh, I mean, undoubtedly he deserves a big thank you. Mm-hmm. If when he does decide to end up leaving, if he gets to do it on his own terms. So right. uh, yeah, I, I guess. And to that accord too, you people who out there listening to us are darling listeners who we love and adore. If one boo comes out of your mouth for Bobby Wagner, I swear to God, I will jump through my television and wring your neck. Don't do it. This is not the same situation as Russell. This is very different. And Bobby Wagner better get the loudest cheer I've ever heard. Strongly disagree. Boo the hell out of it. What? No, Nathan, of course you disagree. The the argument that held for Russ held for Bobby too. Boo boo the hell out of him. Yes, on the other team. You boo them. Boo him. No, no, it's not the same at all. They let him go. He wasn't whining for years to get the hell out of it because he was not being used properly. He wanted to stay. Nathan he plays for the division, like the hated I don't Rams. Care. I don't Boom. care. We'll we'll argue about Ugh. this in a couple weeks some more. We will for sure. All right, everyone. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Make sure you go patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Join the group, you guys. It's so fun. The Slack channel is a blast. There are some insanely good and deep football conversations that go on over there. And I'm in continually impressed by the people who are in our Slack channel. Um, so make sure you do that. Obviously we want you to give the like to the show and subscribe if you will, please. Um, but make sure thumbs up people. It really helps us a lot and we appreciate it. So we will see you guys all again next Wednesday, good or bad, no matter what happens here. We and will also be probably on Sunday. Oh, yes, we, Sunday after game. Some of us do no. a post-game show. Well, you can come on Sunday, but I think the after-game show will actually be on Saturday. But that's okay, one or the other. They, no, they, we're, they, doing a, we're doing a Christmas ep- episode, everybody. Tune in, <laughs> open presents, and listen to me complain about how the Seahawks lost. It'll be great. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. 
Go ahead and do that. That'll be a blast. All right, everyone. Thank you guys so much. And as Brian always says, go Hawks. Oh, I'm the one that's supposed to do this, huh? <laughs> uh, you two froze really well. Okay, bye, everybody. Bye.